0: A prosecutor in Pennsylvania got busted for doing DoorDash deliveries during the workday. Yeah, if that is not a sign of the current times. Here you go, ma'am. Your order of sweet and sour chicken with hot and sour soup and your subpoena. Have a great day. Well, Sidney Powell, Trump's infamous release the Kraken lawyer, filed a motion to dismiss the, the defamation claim against her from Dominion Voting Systems, saying, in essence, it couldn't be defamation because no one in their right mind would believe me. Yeah, operative words being right mind. And Amy Francis Lemansky is back to help us debrief the law. (music) Well, we have a lot to unpack today. The Supreme Court was in session this past week. They issued an opinion as to whether... The cops shooting a person is that a seizure of that person. They also heard arguments over whether and when cops can come into your property to engage in quote-unquote community caretaking, and I kid you not. But the court actually entertained such hypotheticals as can it come onto your property to save a cat in a tree and to rescue a Van Gogh when your plumbing is bursting. And so, hey, all fascinating legal issues. And I am going to put Amy on the spot here in a game called Real or Fake, where she will have to identify real lawsuits and legal issues from the fake ones. But first, let me welcome back Amy Frances Lemansky from New Jersey to help me debrief the law. Welcome, welcome back, Amy.
1: Hi, Joel. How are you today?
0: I am wonderful. I am here in in Kansas City, and I feel like the world is now at my beck and call. I just got my second vaccine shot, and so I am feeling good. I feel like I'm indestructible. I can go anywhere. I have not quite yet planned my vacation, but it is coming right around
1: the corner. That is incredibly exciting. I have not gotten my vaccines yet um just because i kind of feel like i'm i'm low on the list of people who really need them and i i, feel hey, like I hey, hey. need them more so but i'm super excited for you and i'm glad you're feeling well i heard the second one the second shot can kind of be a doozy so
0: Tonight that might happen. They said tonight, uh, you need to take the Tylenol and you'll leave because uh, it's going to hit you in the middle of the night. But uh, as of right now, I am feeling good. But I, I liked your veiled insult there because uh, I do know that that one of the ways you can get the vaccine is if you are in the older populations. You're probably being very polite there and nice and saying you're not quite to my senior status when it comes to age. Uh, but um, yeah, that is uh, it is interesting who can get their vaccines and when. I just heard recently it's going to be like the the hunt the uh, Hunger Games. You know, May. Uh, what is that phrase in the Hunger Games? Do, 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 do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh, May the odds be ever in your favor
0: yes Yes. now that the vaccines are open for the entire public may the odds be ever in your favor as you go out there and get that vaccine so how is the world out there in new jersey um uh, is the vaccine pretty much out there for everyone now
1: i believe it's still a waiting list game so yes it's still like the hunger games here um so my mother, my grandmother, um, my aunts, my uncles, they've all been vaccinated. There is a list I can get on, which I should do. You're absolutely right. And I am very excited to see what's going to happen with more mass production of the vaccine and maybe the world going back to normal. Maybe I see the bottom half of people's faces. I'm real excited right. about it. <laughs> I am.
0: Oh, I just got my face mask yesterday. My wife bought me three new face masks, and these ones are actually huge. They actually fit my face from my nose to my chin instead of these little tiny ones that you know my wife had that I just kind of borrowed that barely covered my nostrils. Uh, but my wife put this mask on her. I couldn't even see her eyes. I mean, her entire <laughs> face was covered. And so, um, I, yeah, it, 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 you feel someone indestructible. You actually can, can go out there and... and go out to eat. I mean, I've had the vaccine and so, uh, and I've actually had COVID as well. So I feel like I am fully immunized and I'm ready to to go out there and, and go somewhere. I don't know the Caribbean. Where's a good place to vacation. Now, if you, if you could go anywhere vacation, like you've been dying to go there and next month, you're going to go, where would that be?
1: Oh God, that's such a tough question because there's so many places I want to go. But if I could get on a plane tomorrow and go somewhere, I would go to Italy.
2: Even, Italy, all right.
1: I know. And it's they, they were hit so hard. And, right. you know, I know that the travel restrictions are starting to lift certain places. I like heard Greece, the travel restrictions are lifting, I believe it's in May. Um, okay. but I would go to Italy to try to, you know, support them, support the community, you know, re- revive the tourism there. That's definitely where I'd go.
0: Wow. You are so altruistic. I <laughs> mean, you are thinking about helping out that local economy. I am thinking pizza. I, I want to go to Italy. I want to try their food.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly thinking about myself, but I really like the way you
0: put it that I'm thinking about others. We'll keep it that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, see, you. Are, that, that is the, hey, I guess maybe New Jersey there. You guys are not only just shutting down the turnpikes in the streets. I'm thinking of Governor Chris Christie and the lawsuit that he was involved with with some kind of tollgate issue last year. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that here uh, later. But hey, uh, this week is a big week for you, I, I hear. You're telling me in pre-planning discussions that this is a big week for you, and uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Well, what's going on this week?
1: Oh, uh, it is a big week for me. So, I turned 30 this year, and I, <laughs> wow. I know I don't make fun of me, don't make fun of me. I know, <laughs> but it's a big, it's a big age, it's a big milestone. So, funny enough, this past week, I um, I have I think I don't know if most people have them, but I have a, a tattoo I regret getting in my early twenties. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the majority out there. I'm no different from the average. You know, I thought something was super cool and now I'm like, wow. It, my tattoo really says I was born in the nineties and dear God, please get this off me. So <laughs> I right. I went for a console to have a tattoo removed and the process as it's been explained to me is very painful. It's not pleasant. It's less pleasant than it was to get the tattoo, and the process. Wow, is, I can't
0: even imagine. What, what are they going to do to remove a tattoo?
1: Uh, they're going to laser my skin. They're going to laser my wow. skin. So, and the cost is about, I don't know, a hundred times what it costs right, me to right. get to get the tattoo in the first place. So, contemplating this, um, the the medical provider I saw is a licensed physician who only does cosmetic procedures. So I'm I'm speaking with this doctor and she's explaining the process to me and she's like, "Well, we, all, we do other things here." So I'm, "Well, what do you do?" Um and she explained to me a little bit about something called Botox. So okay. I will be now that I'm 30, I will be engaging in my first round of Botox. I'm I'm actually very excited about it.
0: Now, it last not. week you Last week, you introduced me to Jersey Shore, and this week, you're introducing me to the world of Botox. What direction is this podcast going? I don't know, <laughs> but um, I I have an idea what Botox is, but did they explain it to you? I mean, are, they, are they, they're injecting you with something. Do, do you have any idea what that is?
1: I really don't know what it is. I would have to okay. give it a Google, but I do know.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I got this major medical procedure. I got to give it to Google. That's I, probably the the phrase I need to copy from this podcast so we can – great life advice, a great tip for how to go life. great life,
1: I know. it's Nobody do what I do. But, no, it's – so I am more concerned about getting rid of the amazing wrinkle lines in my forehead that were graciously given to me um, through the law school process that now I've carried into ah. my career. So that's – you know, I feel that it's a good time to start this, right? You know, I mean – I'm not old. I'm not saying I'm old, but I am getting older. (laughs) My knees hurt for no reason. Now I can't really explain it. So I will be having this procedure. And next week, if I am invited to come back, depending on how this week goes. uh, Okay. I I can't wait to hear. I will tell everybody about the procedure, whether it was painful, what happened and do I get rid of my, you know, my forehead wrinkles. Very exciting.
0: That is, you know what, you kind of lost me on, I'm now entering my 30s, because I'm a clear a couple decades past that. I am now looking right down the barrel of 50 and uh, yeah, you learn some interesting life lessons as you look down <laughs> the barrel of these new decades. For one, I have learned that it's kind of hard to accept growing old gracefully, especially when you hang out with younger kids. So so one of the things that I do during my spare time, which I now that I kind of work from home, I have a lot of spare time, I am coaching the high school tennis team. And so this last Week I was uh, my uh, assistant coach uh, Courtney uh, and I were playing tennis against these um these young guns right and we're not gonna get beat by them I mean we had we had to bring out our A game I had to reach back for my serve like I have not reached back for in years my serve didn't happen it happened to go in I have no idea how it went in we were on fire that day. But, man, I'm feeling it now. I mean, my arm is just kicking back on me. I feel like it's dead. And so now I yeah, got my right arm is dead and my left arm has got the shot in. Hey, but we'll be back next week. And This actually is a nice segue uh, to our first topic of debriefing the law because I know we have a lot to uncover and unpack this week. Uh, but the first case is this prosecutor who was in the Philadelphia area, and which I assume is is somewhat similar to the New Jersey area. So you're going to be able to offer some commentary on the the economics of this. But we can all agree that times are hard, right? It's kind of hard to make ends meet. And this city or county prosecutor wanted a side job. And so he took a side job doing DoorDash deliveries. Now, when you read this story, what were your thoughts of a county prosecutor also, doubling with his time, you know, multitasking as a DoorDash delivery person.
1: So my initial thought is, I I kind of feel bad for this gentleman, right? We why is that? I you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I am naturally kind of a bleeding heart. Um, okay. I, I don't know his financial situation, right? We don't we don't know anything about this gentleman, and we all know that the pot pu- the public sector of law tends to pay a little bit less than the private sector, right? right, that's, right. As lawyers, I think that's a that's a common occurrence. Um, so I read through the article. I see that this gentleman, he was doing DoorDash mostly in the evenings, but he did mention, oh, from time to time, I would do DoorDash during working hours. I don't right, know right. where this gentleman who was prosecuting very high-profile cases was getting the time to do DoorDash during working <laughs> hours, but my initial thoughts are... I kind of feel bad for him. I, I have read through the article. There is a mention of an approximate salary somewhere in the six figure. Let's right. be real here. This is the Northeast. The cost of living is incredibly high. I don't know what exactly this gentleman's salary was, but I'm assuming that it wasn't, maybe it wasn't cutting it. Okay. Maybe, maybe ah. he's got a grandma that's going into a nursing home. Maybe he's got kids in college. I don't know. But for this gentleman to be demoted, Based on doing DoorDash, maybe in the evenings, not at work, okay, I could see that being a problem. But in the evenings, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with it.
0: Now, I, I read that he actually made $126,000 a year in his salary as a, as a city prosecutor. So, yeah, you kind of get the idea. Of sometimes in the private sector, you can make a little bit more than what they make in the public sector. My first thought was, when I read the story, was what a great opportunity. I mean, should we not be thinking more along these lines of of finding creative ways to join different things together to help maximize revenue? I mean, this is, these are revenue-challenged times in this pandemic. Think about this, Amy. Just go with me for just a second here. What if when we issued summons to someone to appear in court, we also gave them some sherry berries to help maybe make their uh, you know um, the unpleasant situation a little more pleasant. I mean, could not we combine delivery services with the issuing of a summons?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could get it, your order of five guys, and you know, along with a deposition at that time. That'd be perfect. That's right. right. That would totally ease a lot of people's anxieties. A little milkshake on the side of a death.
0: I think that would be see if we he, maybe idea. he's onto something. Maybe they should be so quick to discredit him and to demote him. Instead, maybe they should promote him to 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 marketing. I, <laughs> there's another part of the sto- There's another part of the story that I really like, and that is I think this is a cancellation. Of the cancellation culture. And this is what I mean by that. It, now, I'm, I'm being real here. But if if you are a, a county prosecutor during the day and you're doing DoorDash deliveries, or let's just say you're an Uber driver driving people to court before you prosecute them, uh, you're probably going to get fired. Right, I mean, that's just the reality of it. When that when that kind of thing goes public, the easy thing to do is to fire that employee and then tell the good citizens of Philadelphia, "Look, we care about you so much, we fired this employee." W- would you not agree that would be the easy thing for the, the the county to do?
1: I agree that would be the easy thing, but is it the right thing to do? I mean, where are we crossing the line here? Yeah. I I agree in the sense that the prosecutor is a public figure in a sense, right? They right. They see many people, they're dealing with the public, they're dealing, you know, with the state. So, yes, I agree that is the easy thing to do here would to be termination of employment. But so here, on the flip oh, side, on. I'm sorry, just on the flip side of it, you know, I— also there may be there needs to be maybe a stricter policy for public employees and public service lawyers on what what they can do, right? I mean, if you're bartending and serving drinks to somebody, you're going to prosecute the next day. I don't know. Is that a problem?
0: Hey, you know what? I've actually, that is a, not a bad idea. They might open up, might share some things with you that normally they would not share with. So why not be a bartender and also the county prosecutor? <laughs> now, that is a brilliant idea. That's much better than my Sherry Berry's delivery service. Uh, and so I think that uh, people like to drink. And so they open up when they drink. And so why not do that with their uh, their inquisition? All right. I also, so the district attorney, the, the boss here in this situation, uh, again, the easy thing to do would have been to fire this person for violating the policy. But he said, you know what? This guy has a great record. He's been a very faithful employee for us. He does some great things for us. So he said, I'm not going to fire him. We are going to give him a, a second chance. And so they did demote him. So he was punished somewhat for this. But he said, uh, will, uh, "He said we're going to give him another chance. He's been a good employee for us. He asked this rhetorical question. Will he be able to withstand the pressure and the scrutiny and the shame that his conduct has brought upon himself? I don't know. But for now, I am giving him that chance. He has a shot at redemption. So I think this is canceling the cancellation culture. And so I, th- I, I, I kind of like that about this story. Any other thoughts on the DoorDash delivery guy?
1: I mean, is he still allowed to do DoorDash? Is that a, it's it's a hard no now, right? I think that his DoorDash <laughs> career is probably over, right?
0: You know, I do this little bit on my stand-up routine where I I call it. It might be time to get a new lawyer, right? Uh-huh. So I it's kind of like Jeff Foxworthy, some different observations that if these things exist in, in your reality, that maybe it's time to get a new lawyer. And so one of my thoughts was, I started this with, with, with Donald Trump, when sure, I thought one day Donald Trump was probably sitting there in his his living room there at the Oval, uh, in the White House, I said, if you hear while you're eating dinner on the evening news, a conversation that you had with your lawyer that you thought was private and it's now airing for the whole world to hear, it might be time to get a new lawyer, and so I kind of that got me thinking along these all these different uh, thoughts. And so this one, I, one of my thoughts was if, if on your way to court, you know that morning, your Uber driver c- who comes to pick you up is also your lawyer. It might be time to get a new lawyer. I now need to add a DoorDash a del- delivery guy to that as well, and that that actually might uh, fit. All right, well, let's move on now to our next story. See if you have any thoughts on this one. Do you know who Sydney Powell is?
1: I'm very familiar with who Sydney Powell is and uh, the current scrutiny Ms Powell is under.
0: Okay, so she was one of Trump's lawyers, right, during the whole election fraud scenario. And she is the one who really was out there in public uh, and the front lines. I believe she was a part of that. The infamous press conference where she said, I'm going to try to just paraphrase what she said, but I think she referenced, we're going to open up McCracken on these guys or something to that effect. Do you remember that quote? We're going to release the Kraken.
1: Oh, yes. She, that, that is distinctly what she said. She's going full on, I guess, Pirates of the Caribbean style. Right,
0: right. And I, I'm also reading here in my notes that she's a Texas-based attorney, so this does not seem out of the ordinary. But she made some statements about the Dominion voting machines. And uh, can you just kind of paraphrase what your response was when you heard what she said about the Dominion voting machines?
1: Well, Joel, so I preference all our conversations about the political spectrum as and I will not disclose what side I'm on. But okay. uh, my initial thought when Ms. Powell, um, I guess, asserted that the voting machines were, I guess, quote unquote, raked or um, the I guess there was some type of fraud going on with the voting machines is. Wow, that is a huge leap and a very large stretch um, for an attorney to make that open statement um, without doing their research first or having any factual basis to make that statement. So I was a little taken back at her position, not super taken back, because I think most um, Trump supporters are very emboldened in their positions. Um, right, right. But I would say uh, for counsel to make a statement like that in a public spectrum is very, very brazen.
0: Well, let's unpack here what she said, because what she said was, as you pointed out, somewhat brazen. I, she even referred to some foreign governmental leader as being on the take with these voting systems, and they they use these Dominion voting systems to commit fraud on the American public and to steal the election. So, yeah, it was some that's releasing the kraken. Those are pretty some outlandish things. But I gotta tell you, Amy, I have heard lawyers say a lot of outlandish, <laughs> crazy things, and. Usually it's because they are representing clients who are crazy themselves. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to draw that line between a lawyer who is just the mouthpiece for the client and the lawyer who is basically saying things on her own merit. And so uh, in this case, she filed a motion to, so uh, I guess let me back up here. Here's what happened. Dominion filed a defamation lawsuit against Sydney Powell for her comments, which that that should be expected. Lawyers have got to realize if they say things in a press conference, that's not protected by immunity. I mean, what you say in a pleading that you file in court, you do have absolute immunity for what you say in a pleading. But if you then repeat that exact same statement in a press release, you've lost your protection of your immunity. And and so when you do see it at a press conference, you're kind of putting yourself out there. Um, And so Dominion filed a defamation lawsuit against her for these statements. And do you think lawyers should be concerned about things that they say in a in a press release? Because her take was, look, I didn't really think you would believe me. I was just saying these things because that's my client's position. And the thought was, we're going to duke this out in court. This is going to be our position we're going to take in court. We're going to try to prove this, but we're going to let the fact finder decide what actually is the truth. But this is my client's position. Do you kind of understand what her her argument is here, her position on this defamation case?
1: I actually tend to kind of I'm, you know, I'm on the fence here because I I do tend to believe in her position, right? One I want to just back to her for a second. I think as a lawyer, you should be concerned about every single thing that comes out of your mouth that you okay. put into a public sphere. You should be concerned about every email you write, every text message, every tweet, and every statement you make openly for anybody aside from your client to hear, right? Because you have your attorney-client privilege protection when you tell things to your client. Um, But you should absolutely be worried about every single thing you say. Miss Powell knew the press and the media coverage. uh, The entire world is watching. So to make that statement, to not preface that statement with, it is my client's position. Right, right. Because she is a public figure. So I think we're almost back to the same concepts of you know, last week with Cardi B and uh, Candace Owens. And, you know, if you're a public figure, people tend to believe you. Um, They tend to take most things you say with some merit or some actual truth. Um, For her to make statements like that and maybe not preference it with, it is my client's position, But also to her point, she is Trump's mouthpiece. So for her to make a statement almost, even though brazen, even though, you know, she probably should have done her research or left it to the, you know, the legal arena to maybe make that argument. I guess I see her point because it was so heated and she was just doing, I guess, what her client wanted her to do.
0: Right, so the best I can tell, uh, I, I've kind of organized her main defenses in three different categories. And so uh, the first one is, Mouthpiece theory. She's so saying, "Look, I, I made these statements, but I shouldn't be held liable for them because i was just the mouthpiece for my client." Now, by the way, you you did touch on this. You, you drew this distinction between uh, filings with the court. So, you a lawyer doesn't need, need to be careful with what they put in pleadings, but while because while you have immunity, you can't be sued for defamation. The court can sanction you if you don't actually have a factual basis for what you are saying. And so, if you are not, if you are pursuing factual theories that you know are incorrect in court, you can be sanctioned by the court. You can be disbarred. So, there are going to be serious consequences. You just can't be sued for defamation. But when you make those same statements out in the public, then you could be subject to a defamation lawsuit. Uh, and so her defense was, number one, I was just the mouthpiece for my client. And so that's not me talking. That's the client talking through me. My gut reaction to that is that's going to fail. You, you can't pass the buck by saying, I'm just speaking on behalf of my client. and Unless, as you point out, she's very clear saying, this is what my client is alleging, i.e. I am not, but that's what he is alleging, then you, I, th- I think you're going to be in trouble if you don't clearly distinguish yourself. Alright, here's my second theory. Uh, second theory: Political hyperbole theory. She's saying, look, this is just politics. This is just politics as normal. We're just saying these things. No one actually believes politicians. What, what is your response to that theory?
1: Oh, that is so weak. That is such a <laughs> weak <laughs> excuse. Oh, it's it's it, it's sad isn't it? It's so sad that you would make that argument that and, you know just to, it's shocking because of the faith People have any we could just use the Trump Biden election as as an example, the the faith people put into these politicians to say something along the lines of, oh, it's politics. So no one's actually believing this. That makes that devastates me. Okay, as a as a former political science major in college that thought I could change the world. Devastating. Why would you say something like that, Miss Powell?
0: Now that I'm closer to 50, though, I, I'm believing politicians less and less. I, I don't know who's saying it. Someone's saying the song where you can tell if the person's lying because their their lips are moving. Uh, do you have any idea who's saying that or am I just kind of like making that up?
1: Uh, oh, no, I, that's I know Meghan. what you're talking that's, that's about. That's Megan Trainor. Me, but yes, uh, maybe it was Megan Trainor who sung that. I
0: just quoted a Megan Trainor I song. I just admitted did. I... that I listened to Megan Trainor.
1: Good for you. You're what? hip. Your hip, Joel. Why did don't I do that? About being
0: fifty, that might get deleted. That might not make it to the uh, the final version here. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't believe politicians. If their lips are moving, I am assuming they're lying. I know it's jaded, but hey, pretty soon I'm going to be running for the HOA. And I'm going to be measuring people's lawns, and if they're a quarter inch too long, I'm going to file a violation notice on them. So you're going to be I'm so getting, popular. <laughs> I'm getting close to that that age in life. All right, here's the last theory she came up with. That this entire thing, the election lawsuits, the fraud allegations, it was a fast-moving train. And so they were just trying their best to keep up with it. And she can't be held liable for making statements when the things were just changing so rapidly and quickly. Any thoughts on that theory?
1: I I also think it's weak. I think it's yeah, so weak to, to turn around and to say, oh, well, the situation is fluid, um, and I am just trying to come up with every excuse to appease my client and his fan base um, to compensate them for whatever loss they're feeling and trying to, I guess, throw muck at a situation. Weak. F- a fluid situation should never be an excuse for putting out information that you know is incorrect whether miss powell right. believes that the election was you know rigged or you know there was a fraud or not many people do believe that theory but has it been proven no it's failed time and time again so to even state oh well the situation's fluid so i'm just you know saying what i'm feeling that day you're a lawyer ma'am please right right, right. you need to represent actual facts i mean i am
0: not I'm not aware of any defense to a um, defamation lawsuit that things were fast moving. I mean, if you, it's did you say it and was it uh, incorrect? And did you have a, if it's a public figure, did you have a hostile motive here? Well, she did have a hostile motive. She was trying to defeat the other people and to win the election. She, she, she had a motive there to um, hurt the other side. I, I'm not sure there's a fast moving train defense to a defamation lawsuit. And it sounds like you're not aware of one either.
1: I've never heard of that uh, defense being used. Uh, to say that maybe she believes these statements is probably a better defense than, oh, well, it was fast moving and I was just trying to come up with the uh, excuse of the day or the flavor of the week. Right. I don't think that's going to fly.
0: Well, we're going to have to um, obviously monitor this case. Uh, There's a lot of lawsuits here. You Also, the MyPillow CEO was also sued for defamation as well. And he's still holding true to the fact that he says, yeah, I do believe these allegations. So he's standing behind his case is saying it's true. She seems to be defending her case by saying uh, no one would actually believe that what I said was true. And so there's a little bit of disconnect there in the two theories. Hopefully those two cases don't get joined. I will just note for the record, since you did mention the Cardi B v. Candace Owen lawsuit that was threatened last week, nothing has been filed yet. And so I know you and I both kind of thought maybe this was a publicity stunt. I don't know. But as of as of today, no lawsuits have been filed in that case. All right. Next uh, legal issue that was a, do- a big legal issue this last week that dominated at least the sports news was Deshaun Watson. Now, are you a football fan? I am
1: a football fan.
0: Okay, so, so I Deshaun Watson All right, Deshaun Watson is a is a star quarterback from Clemson. Uh he won a national title. I still remember when he beat Alabama. That was a David slaying Goliath, a great victory by Deshaun Watson. I really wanted him to be Kansas City's quarterback. Well, uh Kansas City traded up. Could have drafted Deshaun Watson. We didn't. Instead, we got Patrick Mahomes, so We're pretty happy with that pick. But nonetheless, Deshaun Watson then went to the Houston Texans and has been a great quarterback, a stellar member of his community, and everyone just loves him and esteems him, much like we do Patrick Mahomes here in Kansas City. But recently, 16 lawsuits have been filed against him, uh, by 16 different women and the thought there is there's even there's up to two dozen women who are waiting to file lawsuits. These are all filed by former and I'm going to butcher this word masseuses. Is, is that the proper enunciation of multiple massage therapist? I, I'm not. Is it masseuses?
1: I've never contemplated that. I mean, it okay. sounds correct to me. Many masseuses, multiple ma- masseuses, I don't, masseuses sounds right. I mean, I hope all right, all right. we don't turn our fan base off by not knowing the uh, the plural version of masseuse. So I, can,
0: I cannot have a fan base for people based upon my enunciation <laughs> of words because I butcher words all of the time. I, I, I taught this a CLE class because it's continuing legal education. Education class for lawyers, and one of the issue was solicitation of clientele. Can can lawyers do that? Well, you can't solicit business if your if your motive is pecuniary gain. And I just could not say that word, pecuniary, pucuniary <laughs> And I tried and tried and tried. I'm not even sure pecuniary is right, but hey, I, I, I changed to profit motivated. But nonetheless, uh, these. Uh, massage therapist, uh, filed this lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. Now, um, uh, Amy, I want you to get some, your commentary on this because I don't even know where to begin analyzing this situation because you have um, you have mounds. You have such a high number of plaintiffs here filing lawsuits. I mean, it, it the, the the initial thoughts some people have when it's a sports star that you love and you adore is, no, this is wrong. Someone's lying. They're lying just to do a money grab. All right, that's that's kind of a thought that some people have. But sixteen? I just can't buy that sixteen people are lying. I don't know what to make of the story. So, what what do you make of it?
1: So I kind of have it. This may be deemed a conspiracy theory. It may. So, Mister Watson has been popular for some time now. Right. All of the sudden. 16 women popped out of the woodwork. And I'm not saying that they're not credible. I'm not saying that something didn't happen again. I always advocate for victims. I'm a domestic violence lawyer. I I always hold truth to anybody who comes forward as a victim. But what I will say is the timing is kind of odd. Right. Think about this. Let's let's truly think about what kind of season did the Texans have? Have- An
0: absolutely horrendous uh, season this year, but I believe they fired their coach a game five or six right at the beginning and they missed the playoffs. And And Deshaun Watson said, I won out of Houston. So it was not a good season for the Houston Texans.
1: Exactly. To your point, Joel, how long is left on Mr. Watson's contract at this point And he wants out. So, yes,
0: he just signed it. I think he has three or four or five more years on it. So he just signed his one hundred I believe his forty million dollar contract.
1: OK, so to that point that he's got he's made it very public that he wants out the timing of these lawsuits for Mr. Watson seems almost contrived. Right. He wants out desperately. Now, 16 women who I and I'm not sure of the timeline right on this. I don't know how long ago these incidents happened, but it seems like they didn't just happen. Right. Right. 16 women is is quite a few, possibly more. But you said maybe two dozen. Right. So at this time, I think, you know, again, conspiracy theory. I think maybe Mr. Watson is behind this himself. (laughs) He wants out that bad. And this is something that has been put together by him and his team to, you know, maybe just the timing of it. I don't know. You know, you never know what's going on. Right. Um, There's non-disclosure agreements and people are paid to be quiet or whatever it is. But the timing of this seems awfully convenient for him.
0: Interesting. Now, that is true. He wants a trade. He's demanding a trade. Houston has said we're not going to trade, but he really wants out for some reason. And so you think that he might be behind some of these lawsuits. Uh, That is a fascinating legal theory. Now, that does kind of beg the question, how will these uh, situations be resolved? Uh, And so uh, I, I have been told by others that practice in this kind of area that these can be settled with non-disclosure agreements. In other words, the people could basically say, yes, this is what happened here. It wasn't criminal, but I was offended or whatever reason. So basically they can recite what their version of the facts in a way that would preclude any kind of criminal issue. And so these cases would all be resolved. And then Deshaun Watson could probably be free to move wherever he wanted to in the country and play for a different team. At least that would be, is that consistent with your theory?
1: I I believe that is 100% consistent with my theory. You know, just the same point to round back last week. These lawsuits were brought forward, right, for damages. I'm sure. I highly doubt any of these ladies is only suing right. for one dollar, right? Right. So no. What... No. This
0: is not a nominal damages case. <laughs> right.
1: So everyone, you know, I, I, I again, I don't want to downplay anybody being a victim, but everyone's kind of got a price when it comes to an incident that you bring a lawsuit for. What's your number? So. Right. I really do think that this is his contrived opportunity to get out of Texas.
0: Interesting. Well, we're gonna have to see how this plays out because this definitely has been dominating the news and it's been a fascinating case. I will just say, for the record, that's why we have trials. Now, I know the lawyers in this case, at at least the plaintiff's lawyer, is trying to litigate this in the media. We actually have ethical rules that prohibit lawyers from trying to try cases through the media that could poison the jury pool, and that's what's going on here. But there is a, a, a process, and so these 16 plus ladies will have a chance to state their case in court, and Deshaun Watson will have a chance to defend himself in court, and so that eventually they will get their their day in court unless it gets resolved beforehand. And that's where these conspiracy theories kind of come out there. Well, 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 what really was the motive behind Deshaun Watson? Or even the, I've even heard a conspiracy theory on behalf of the Houston Texans. Did you hear that one? Where the plaintiff's lawyer is a neighbor to one of the owners of the Houston Texans. Did you hear that theory?
1: I have not heard that, but honestly, it does not surprise me in this case. I will make a bet. And, you know, you hold me to it that uh, that this never sees a day in court, that this is settled out.
0: I would not take that bet. I agree with you a thousand percent. (laughs) This case will get settled out. There is absolutely no reason for this case ever to see the light of day. There's just way too much money involved. Deshaun Watson is a young guy. And so he is looking to make probably a billion dollars as an NFL quarterback. You say, oh, there's no way he's gonna make a billion dollars. No, hold on a second. Tom Brady is 45 years old, or nearing 45, and just signed a contract extension. And Deshaun Watson is 25. He has 20 more years of playing quarterback which is paid very handsomely i mean i believe uh um, our quarterback patrick mahomes just signed a 500 million dollar contract to play quarterback here in kansas city for the next 10 years and so yeah a bill over a billion dollars is at stake he's gonna find a way to not have this case ever see the light of day uh, of a trial All right, next issue, which I got to tell you, um, uh, Amy, when I read this issue, it intrigued me. uh, A friend of mine, Michael Thompson, who's a general counsel for the Church of the Nazarene, sent me this article about who owns the moon. Now, had you ever thought about that?
1: I never (laughs) thought about it. Um, I read through the article— And it's a very interesting theory. And it almost makes me think back to, you know, just just the claim on the United States, right? Do we we put a flag in something and now it's ours? Is that still a good theory? Are we still operating under that theory today? Because I'll tell you, Buzz (laughs) Aldrin planted that flag and it's still there. So do we own the moon as the United States? I do not think any... Moon, planet, anything. I I just don't think it's up for claim. I don't think it's up for grab.
0: (laughs) So apparently there was this treaty in 1967, an outer space treaty, where all of the major space players Signed this treaty, so Russia did, the United States did, and I assume China, all these other countries that are involved in in outer space exploration, signed this treaty. And apparently, they all agreed that um, a flag planting as of right now, you know, no one can actually colonize the moon. Now, I don't understand what that means. I mean, I guess they're just saying we're going to go out there and explore the moon now. And we're going to leave this to a later date. But I do believe now that Elon Musk is wanting to go out there and colonize Mars, right? And this is going to become an issue at some point in time. And who will own the moon? Uh, Is it going to be a communist country? Is it going to be a a democratic country? Is it going to be owned by private business? I have no idea. But have you ever even given a thought as to what that world would look like when we do go to outer space and, and try to inhabit an outer space area
1: i mean I, at this point i'm i'm thinking i've never given it any thought but now i think that elon musk should just buy the moon now right just buy mars <laughs> right. now i mean we'll, we'll just cut out the middleman just go up buy it and colonize it i mean he listen for all intents and purposes if anybody ever has given thought to full-time living in outer space God bless them. That's amazing. It's, a, it's an incredible <laughs> feat. Um, I will not be going to the moon or outer space. I can't even get on a cruise ship, um, but I think it's an amazing theory. And I, I, I'm also curious to what space law is going to look like.
0: Yeah. what well, what kind of country is it going to be a dictator dictatorship? Is it going to be a, a monarchy, a Republic, a democracy? I have no idea. Uh, you would think it's going to be started by private business because of the Elon Musk of the world are going to be the ones spearheading any kind of movement to go to these outer regions and they're going to have an economic motive. Is big business going to own outer space? I, again, I think these are fascinating questions. Maybe these will be resolved in my life. But since you brought it up, I do have to know. Would you go to the moon? I mean, seriously, let's just say that the opportunity came up right now. uh, Elon Musk sent you a letter and said, Amy, we want you and your family. We're going to go to Mars and you can be the queen of Mars or whatever. (laughs) You know, you know, you're going to be in all the history books. I mean, they're going to talk about Amy and her family being one of the first settlers there in Mar on Mars. Um, I mean, that's got to be cool, but also wow, that's a change of, of pace from the ordinary course of living.
1: Again, Joel, I'm I can't even climb to a flight of stairs. Um, a okay, fast pace right. without feeling very lightheaded. It's you know, I, I've listen, Elon, if you're listening, I I appreciate the offer, but I'm not the one, right? I, I'm just not. But I think someone will be the one, and I think it will be a big business situation and. I don't know. I, you know, it's how many people can even live up there, right? Is it is it feasible for a hundred people? Is it feasible for five hundred people? And at that point, is it a commune? Is it a right. is it a uh, open community? I don't know. It's it's so interesting. But I think if Elon Musk does buy the moon, they will be Teslas in some kind of form, right? And definitely right, right. Starbucks. So you got that going Egg. for you.
0: I don't know, man. If, if it's true that um, you weigh one-sixth or, or you, you only weigh one-sixth what you do here on, on Earth, on, on the moon... I might sign up for it. That might be the best uh, New Year's (laughs) resolution that I've ever had to lose weight to go to the moon. Here's my my final take on this story. They signed this 1967 Outer Space Treaty. I'm going to tell you it's worthless. I I don't think this treaty is going to hold back any country. So whatever country actually is first to actually colonize the moon and, and, and set some kind of establishment up there, they're going to stake their claim to that territory. They're not going to build things and they just hope some other country doesn't come in and fight them off. I mean, th- whatever was decided in 1967 is not going to control the future actions once they actually get to that point. But that, that's just my, my take on it. All right, let's, uh, let's deal with a couple of quick Supreme Court cases. The Supreme Court was in session. We're not going to spend too much time on these, but I want to just throw them out there so that the listeners can know what is going on at the U.S. Supreme Court. The first case I want to deal with is Torres v. Madrid. And in this case, the issue is The police shot somebody, and and, uh, they did not kill the person. The person was able to continue moving on. All right, so can that person who was shot file a lawsuit against the police? Well, as a constitutional lawyer, you, you would say, well, okay, we have we have these different amendments. What amendment is shooting someone a violation of? Well, you immediately, immediately think of the Fourth Amendment. Is this a seizure? The Fourth Amendment prohibits uh, unreasonable searches and seizures. And so the question before the court was, is shooting someone? So a bullet coming into you, even though it's not going to kill you, it didn't floor you, you somehow managed to survive this and keep moving, uh, it didn't actually detain you, Is that unconstitutional seizure of that person? So, uh, uh, Amy, not only are you going to be the queen of Mars, (laughs) you are now sitting on the Supreme Court. How would you analyze that issue?
1: I'm having a good year, apparently. Um, You
0: have the power. It's been a great year.
1: It's been a great year for me so far. Oh, so it's an interesting theory, right? Because... In that moment, when a when a bullet penetrates your body, I mean, yes, I guess in in theory that would be a taking of your person, whether you know it's right. not your actual life, but there's going to be some some obvious natural consequences to you being injured and maybe loss of use of that limb. It's a really really interesting theory, and i I tend to lean on the side that I think it's it is almost a taking, right? It's, it's a taking of, you know, whatever it is at that time, whether you can't use your arm or your leg anymore. I kind of like it and I kind of agree with it.
0: And in this day and age, when people are looking to the core to say, Hey, we got to find some way to make police brutality when it does exist, we got to find a way to make police accountable for their other uh, unconstitutional actions. And, and so uh, if the police, if they do shoot someone, and they, again, we're we're, in the, we're talking about the context that they should not be shooting that person. We're not talking about a suspect who actually is, is uh, posing a danger to someone. We're talking about a situation where it's an unjustified shooting. So we got that on the table. Uh, there's been this idea, maybe we should have police be accountable for their unreasonable actions. And this would be a case, a testing case, where the court could say, We are going to open up that door. It's going to be through the Fourth Amendment. And if the cops do shoot you and they have no valid reason for doing so, that is going to be considered an unconstitutional seizure of your body, albeit unsuccessful, if you continue to move on. Uh, And then we're going to open up the law to allow those kind of lawsuits. And so, again, uh, we probably expect a decision sometime around June on this case. All right. Also, the court this last week dealt with the issue of Ford Motor Company v. Montana 8th Judicial District. Now, this is not a real sexy case. In fact, (laughs) when I read this case, I got to tell you, I thought this already was the law. But what happened was Ford Motor Company built and designed this particular car, did not build this car in this state, in, in Montana, did not sell this car in Montana. But nonetheless, someone drove that car into the state of Montana and was involved in an auto accident. And so can Ford Motor Company be sued in a state where they did not build this particular product? And so, um, Amy, were you surprised this actually was an issue for the court?
1: I'm shocked. I am shocked this is an issue because my understanding of, you know, when I was in law school, not, not terribly long ago, but long enough was that any business who has sufficient means of contact with a state that they are producing, you know, whatever goods or selling goods can be is subject to lawsuit in that state. So Ford, just for example, must have a dealership in every single state of the United States. It has to, right? It's Ford. It's, it's all American. You got the horse and you got, you know, it must. So for Ford to make the assertion that, oh, we're not subject to jurisdiction in Montana because we didn't build this maker model in this state, I think that's such a far-fetched effect. Right, right. And I just think it's going nowhere.
0: Well, let me tell you uh, for our, well, non-attorney listeners and our attorney listeners, as a review for you attorney listeners, that <clears> – <throat> The courts analyze jurisdiction along two different lines, either one through specific jurisdiction principles and the other one is general jurisdiction principles. So, under specific jurisdiction principles, if the defendant did something to you, then you can file a lawsuit in that state where that the, the, whatever that ha- that happens, so Ford Motor Company, let's just say, um, you know, they they actually have a plant there in that state, and that plant somehow caused you harm or whatever. Then you, that's called specific jurisdiction. That is relating to the actual issues of that case. Under general jurisdiction principles, if the defendant has a lot of contacts with the state, but not necessarily the contacts that led to this lawsuit at hand. But they just do a lot of business. That's called general jurisdiction principles. And under due process concerns, the Supreme Court has said it's fair, it's reasonable to haul that company into court in that state because that company is just so big. They kind of avail themselves to that state's jurisdiction. And so that I believe under general jurisdiction principles that that outcome is sufficient. And it seems like you would agree with that.
1: I would definitely agree with that. And I may sound a little rusty, um, but wasn't there a case involving Volkswagen that talked about almost the same exact concept? I mean, wasn't this an issue then? So, why was it just so long ago that no one can remember it? (laughs) Why is this an issue now?
0: I I agree. I was a little confused by this, how to maybe dig into this case. The bottom line is if you get hit by a Ford and it's a faulty Ford product, you can pretty much sue for anywhere in the United States. I, I think that's basically the takeaway from that uh, that case. All right, one more Supreme Court case before we move on past the Supreme Court. This one I think is also interesting to a lot of people. This is Caniglia v. Strom. Now, in this case, the issue is when can cops go into your house? And search your house. And so one thought is uh, you, the cops got to get a warrant. If, if they want to go into your house for whatever reason to look for evidence, the cops have to go to a mat, the local magistrate and say, look, we have probable cause to believe a crime has been committed or we can get evidence there. And so they need to get a, a warrant. All right, but there was also this idea of when can cops go into your house without a warrant? Just because your house is there, when can cops open up your door and walk into your house? Now, Amy, first of all, do you think the average American has any idea on where this line is drawn?
1: I want to say, you know, with social media and more people becoming, I think, liberated and interested in their rights. I want to say most people hopefully would know, but the answer is probably no. The average American probably doesn't know what their rights are, you know, when they get pulled over, do they have to step out of a vehicle when a cop shows up at your right. door? Um do you have to let them into your home as an individual who literally has a doormat on her front porch that says come back with a warrant? Um, you know <laughs> where I stand on this issue. But I think the average American just wouldn't know. And, you know, pol- authority figures in our culture are so intimidating, especially in light of everything that's going on. I just think someone, you know, we coffee can, Can I just look around for a minute or can I come in, you know, for a cup of right. coffee? Somebody wouldn't think twice about that.
0: No. They, they knock on your door. I to tell you, I graduated from law school. I was a practicing lawyer for 10 years in. I didn't know the answer to that question. I assume if the cops knock on your door, you got to let them in because they're the cops. If the cops stop you for questioning, you have to answer all their questions and follow them to wherever because they're the cops. And Then I realized, well, that's not necessarily the the case. The cops don't have the right unless they have probable cause or reasonable suspicion to believe a crime is being committed. But that aside, uh, in this particular situation, the issue is community caretaking. So let's just say that the cops know someone is in that house and They're missing, or or, or, you know, they they had not been seen for a long time. Can the cops just open up that door to look inside the house to find out if that person has indeed fallen and cannot get up? And so, that was the issue in this case. What happened was. This particular person, uh, the, the husband and wife, they were in a disagreement. And uh, the husband even told the wife, hey, here's my gun, shoot and kill me. I don't want to live anymore. The wife then left the house, came back the next day. And in any way, the cops kind of used that situation to go inside the house and take the person's guns. And they did that because they did not want this guy to kill himself. That seems like a good basis to want to go into the house right i mean they, they were they, they weren't looking for evidence they weren't trying to you know nail someone gather evidence to convict them they just wanted this guy not to hurt himself and so that would be a community caretaking situation can the cops do that and so amy the during oral argument a lot of fascinating hypotheticals uh, came up. And that's why sometimes I love listening to the Supreme Court. They just delve into all different kinds of issues. And in this particular case, one of the justices said, I think it was um, uh, Roberts, was very concerned with a cat that was stuck in a tree. And so Roberts said, well, can cops come onto your land if a cat is stuck in the tree to save that cat? I'm curious, Amy, what do you think the answer to that should be?
1: I, I one as my husband is a firefighter. I believe that yes, you can go and, and save that cat in a tree, which he actually has done before on the job. So that's not really? just yes, it, that actually okay. did happen to him. He he has gotten one cat out of a tree. He's been on the job for ten years, so that is that is a factual <laughs> All right. scenario. Now, was he
0: invited into that property to do
1: that? So so yeah, I mean. Here's the deal, right? If there's an exceptional circumstances, as I understand it, a cop can enter your home. You know, if there is somebody screaming for help, if the house is on fire and there's, you know, maybe somebody incapacitated inside. In this situation, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to open the door to does somebody have a right to kill themselves if they like to. I, I mean... Right. That's a whole different theory. But if somebody's a danger to somebody else and the cops aren't looking to press charges, but it also opens the door to okay, uh, my husband said he wants to no, just this is hypothetical. My husband says he wants to kill himself. We have guns, but I also have a mountain of cocaine on my table. What happens right. then?
0: What happens is if the cops can go on the property in the first instance, like if it's reasonable for the cops to go in there to prevent you from killing yourself, whatever else they see that's in plain view... Would also be reasonably able to for the co- cops to uh, acquire and cease because that's the plain view doctrine. Uh and so I gotta tell you, Alito is not happy with this idea that you should save the cat. I don't know if Alito is a dog person, Shut hates up. cats or what, but he's like, no, we, we need to if we're gonna develop a doctrine in this area, it should be to save human lives and not cats. And then another hypothetical that went out there was what about if a Van Gogh painting was in that house and the plumbing had burst and it was going to be drowned and flooded and we're going to lose this priceless painting? Can can cops go into that house to save that Van Gogh painting? Again, fascinating legal issue. Uh, the court's going to grapple with that and then issue a decision here uh, come closer to uh, to June. And so any other uh, Supreme Court uh, issues catch your, your interest here before I, I go into our next phase where I'm going to put you on the spot with a real or fake game show.
1: So just really quickly, I just want to touch on the Supreme Court case. And I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it is um, it is about a nursery in California okay. who grows strawberries. Yes. At- yes. yes. I, I just want to mention this because I think it goes along with the theme of um, taking and what is an unlawful taking. And can you allow – so? I don't have the full facts here, and maybe you can help me fill in the blanks, Joel. But for my understanding, there is a nursery in California. They grow produce, strawberries. They typically have between 100 and 400 immigrant workers come in and out. Okay. And they live, and during this time, these immigrant workers they live in hotel rooms, and you know they're they're furnished, and they you know the the nursery supplies for them. So recently a union. And again, I don't want to butcher the names here, but a union came on the property and started protesting during the protest. Um, not a few of the workers got up and began protesting with them. And now we come to the issue of, can somebody come onto your own land and perform a protest? And I think now it's up for Supreme court oral argument was on March 5th. So we'll have a decision soon, but can protesters come onto private land to protest, you know, maybe three to four times a week. Should they be allowed? And is it taking if they are occupying land during their protest?
0: So can – if I own my own land, you're saying if the government can force me to allow other people to come onto my land to protest me?
1: Yes. That's that wow. the question up for debate at this point. Can Whatever I, happened
0: to property ownership? Why can't I keep people off my land?
1: And should they be compensated for it? So this is the main question is – if it has if it's considered a taking which I definitely consider it a taking if anything it comes onto your private land that is taking up space a person yeah. uh, a sprinkler head I don't care what it is a sign should they be compensated for what has been taken I completely agree I think that if this is going to be allowed to continue because again it's it, I believe it's a civil rights union and they're moving forward on this issue that the nursery should be compensated. For, right. for it, occupying
0: their land. It does not seem fair that, it, it, again, they, this is not for their benefit. They, they're not inviting them onto their land. This is being thrust upon them. It seems to run counter to their personal or business interests. Uh, and so it, it, they're saying you have to allow this use of your land. You don't have a choice. Then, yeah, that, that should be a taking. Uh, hey, it'll be interesting. I assume that that, that that case was argued this past week, right?
1: Yeah, it was argued several weeks ago. So, again, there should be a decision imminently. So this will definitely right. be something I'm following.
0: About June, uh, usually when all these cases are argued now, if they're, if they're controversial, they tend to wait until June to issue their opinions. But if for some reason they come to an agreement quicker, they you might decision come out here in, in April or May. But, uh, again, uh, that's why we're going to have such a busy June as we unpack all these Supreme Court cases that are being decided then. All right. Well, I I decided to come up with some games. I would like to, every week, have some kind of fun game show that we can do. I I think I secretly want to be a game show host at some point in time. I know in my CLEs, I do game shows. I do Jeopardy. I do Deal or No Deal. But we are going to do, so one of the movies, one of the games we're going to do is Name That Movie. I forgot to ask you, are you a movie buff?
1: I am a movie buff.
0: Good. You're perfect. So what we're going to do here in the future is I'm actually going to play for you some clips from some movies. And uh, and then you got to name the movie and name the scene from that clip that I played for you. That's not today because I didn't know if you're a movie buff or not. But that, we'll do that in a future class. I'm looking this to Oh, And I have, I have a feeling you're going to nail it. Uh, but nonetheless, this one is real or fake in honor of your Botox treatment that you are going to receive this <laughs> week. <laughs> Brought to you by Botox Botox. LLC, I had no idea what kind of company sells Botox, but let's just uh, move on. So let me give you this first story here. So let's say a judge uh, was so upset with a lawyer that the judge, I I assume that's never happened to you, but maybe you've seen a situation where a judge has been very upset with a lawyer's antics there in court, a judge can sanction that lawyer for their various antics Usually those sanctions come in the form of monetary sanctions, right? You, you got to pay fees and expense. I assume you've seen that or heard about that in, in your practice.
1: Yes, I'm familiar okay. with that. I think okay. thankfully never happened to me yet. I'm still young in my career, but I've heard about this.
0: Yeah, since you practice in family law, I doubt that will ever happen to you because nothing, no one is ever really upset with, with family law attorneys. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's say that in this particular situation, the judge was so upset with the lawyer, ordered the lawyer as sanctions to write sentences. On the chalkboard, they had to write uh, 25 sentences saying they will no longer violate the, the model rules. Do you think that's actually a real sanction that a court issued or did I make that up?
1: Um I, I, I want to believe it's real. I want to believe that a judge would would do something like that. But I don't know. I've seen some wild things. I've seen a judge order community service. I don't know if that's maybe not such a far fetch. I, I want to say real.
0: And and it is real. You are right. A judge in Ohio, this lawyer basically was so upset with the judge's ruling against his client, he went and got up from his table and threw a temper tantrum over there in the holding cell and kind (laughs) of held up court. And the judge was so upset with this lawyer, he ordered him to sit back down and write out sentences saying he no longer will be a bad boy. Uh, And so that actually was a sanction that the judge ordered. Sometimes these judges have a lot of fun with their, their case. All right, how about this next one? I, I assume you have an IOLTA trust account, but let me just tell the our listeners what that is. An IOLTA trust account is what lawyers have to have to funnel their money through. And these trust accounts are heavily regulated by the state, by the bar. And if a lawyer you know, mismanages the funds in the IOLTA trust account, that is a real easy basis for discipline against the lawyer. Well, this one lawyer um, uses IOLTA trust account. To operate, right? So, this is where he put all of his money into and he wrote checks out of, he paid expenses to operate a strip club. Uh, Do you think any lawyer would be that stupid to do that, or did I make that up?
1: One violations of trust accounts for lawyers are the most popular ethical violation um it is by far that right. is the number one and number two is not communicating with your clients in a timely manner biggest complaints and biggest ethical violations most popular i want to say that is true and maybe that lawyer i, I again i've used to practice in southern florida i want to say that it's true and that lawyer's from southern florida <laughs>
0: Wow, you are pretty good. You are really Stop, good. Stop, really? <laughs> I, I, I forgot you were from Southern Florida, so um, I get a lot of my cases from Florida. Uh, but no, this actually, you were a little off, but not too far, Jacksonville, Florida. And so they're in Northern Florida. And uh, it actually is worse than what I just said. This lawyer ran his strip club business through his iota Trust account. And so right there, I cannot imagine... How stupid this lawyer must be. I mean, you know, there's a lot of eyes on that I ultra trust account. They're not gonna ask questions. I mean, that I just can't imagine why a lawyer would choose to use that account to operate a strip club, but nonetheless, it actually gets worse. He then went to Colorado and he uh on his business trip to purchase some marijuana because it's legal in, in, in Colorado, and he purchased that. With his IOTA Trust accounts, so this guy really is not making uh, good decisions. But lest you think Joel, it can't get any worse. Let me give you the third strike. The client whose money was in question here, who was being lost and and uh, mishandled. Do you want to just take a guess as to who this client was? It I, is I, I it like a church
1: this. or charity? Please, <laughs> is
0: it? <laughs> it? It might be worse than that. I don't know. At least from this guy's perspective, it was his father-in-law. Oh. Uh, and so he's going to have to go to his father-in-law and say, yeah, about that money you gave me for your case, uh, I, I lost it on a bunch I of strippers lost. and on a, a trip to the stinky green weed. Uh, but nonetheless, um, yeah, he was busted for that. Not a good idea if you're a lawyer to use your money in that way. All right, this next one I know you're going to know about now. All right, so I'm going to just give you this next one here. This lawyer uh, who's arguing a... an arson case so there was a fire it was a second degree arson case you you get the picture here i got it i think i got it uh, arguing second degree arson so his his client was was on trial for for maybe setting something on fire well his defense was that uh sometimes fires just spontaneously happen just kind of out of the blue something catches on fire And, and so that's that's really what happened here this was a spontaneous fire All right. So during closing arguments of this second degree arson case, this lawyer's pants caught on fire in front of the jury. Now, surely is that real or is that fake?
1: I really hope that's fake. I really hope (laughs) us as lawyers would not be setting ourselves on fire for a client. Please let this be fake.
0: But since you practiced there in uh, South Florida, you know this ah. probably is in line with a lot of uh, antics there. Yes, this is in Miami. And this lawyer, during closing arguments, was flicking with his, something in his pants. Uh, he was kind of like m- moving something in his pants pockets. It was a lighter. He caught his pants on fire during closing arguments. And I just, I, I, you got to love that thought, right? Liar, liar pants on fire. And this lawyer's pants literally caught on fire during closing arguments arguments he was a sanction for that the court was not buying coincidence That that's just not going to uh, be well received by the court. Joel, right, I don't even th-
1: know what amount I would have to take in a retainer to set myself on fire. That is the <laughs> most know. absurd thing I've ever heard.
0: But that might might be a surcharge is what you're saying. So you know what? um, I might be, if I'm going to have a retainer for this, you're going to have to pay a little extra for the clothing, uh, combustible clothing option. That is not going to be your your normal rate. All right. How about this one? A, A deaf man sued Pornhub for failure to include closed captioning on its videos.
1: I want to say that's real. That's got That's <laughs> some type of discrimination and honestly that is very clever.
0: Uh, Yeah, a deaf man did sue Pornhub this last year, was very upset that apparently there's a lot of great dialogue going on on these videos that he was missing out on, sued Pornhub to include closed captioning, and uh, yeah, that was a lawsuit. Pornhub uh, defended itself by saying we do include closed captioning on some of our videos, and we'll make sure we include them on on the rest. All right, I got one more to play for you here, because in my class, I find all these crazy lawyer advertisements and, and so some of them are real and some of them are fake uh i get them from various movies and, and skits and whatnot so let me play for you here this lawyer advertisement so um, i'm gonna play tell me if you can hear it
2: hi i'm steve miller I've been a trial lawyer in Florida and Massachusetts since 1985. If you and your spouse hate each other like poison and want to get out of the hellhole you call a marriage, you've come to the right place. Look, you can waste your money screwing around with some paper pusher paralegal type, give thousands of dollars to some piece of crap three-piece suit downtown, blow your brains out trying to figure out why you wasted 25 bucks on the crappy forms you bought from the illiterate boob at the courthouse, or do what I say and do it now. We know what we're doing here. Look at this website, a work of art. Here's the story. Pay us a little and we get you a lot. Don't worry about the details. We'll take care of business and let you know when to crack open the champagne. Okay, time to move on. Go to the Get the Divorce page in the upper right corner, pay up, and you're on your way to getting rid of that vermin you call a spouse. We're here to help. Divorce EZ, a Florida law firm. All right, there you go. It's always
1: Florida. It's always Florida, but... One, I will say. I mean, I don't know why I'm not doing advertisements like that. Maybe that would help. Vermin, you call
0: a spouse?
1: Yeah, that's rough. I want to say that's probably real. I'm that is a real, probably real.
0: That is, that's a real ad. Uh, vermin, you call a spouse? Hell hole, you call a marriage? My first thought was when I heard that ad: is the guy still married? I mean, those are some pretty <laughs> choice words about the institution of marriage. I did a replay he is still wearing his wedding band. And so I'm sure that was a very interesting conversation when he got home and his wife probably said, no, you keep yourself on that side of the hell hole. I am the vermin. You just call it a spouse. So <laughs> I hope I, I hope I didn't give you ideas on how to advertise your, your family law practice, but Hey, There you go. That's if you ever go back to South Florida, that's an option. If
1: that's if if Mr. Miller's getting business that way, maybe I'll consult with him one day. But for right now, I think I'll uh, I think I'll keep the advertising I I have. I don't think I'll I'll venture into the, the vermin spouse and hellhole category.
0: Well, there you go. Those are all that I had. Uh, Again, just a thought. Maybe I should start doing some more game show kind of things here. I will try to broaden those in future classes to see if we can't put each other on the spot. But I will tell you, that lawyer, he actually, I heard, actually got in trouble for that ad being misleading. Uh, It was misleading because they... uh, not because of his name, Divorce easy. That kind of implied that he can guarantee the process will be simple and streamlined. And the Florida disciplinary panel said, no, you can't make that guarantee. There's two sides to the litigation aisle there with divorces. And yes, you can do what you can to make it as streamlined as possible. But what if the other side likes to litigate the heck out of things? You can't control that. And so apparently he changed his name to Divorce deli. So Like you order a pastrami <laughs> on rye, you can order your divorce. tailor made to your liking. With a choice of custody on the side, I guess. I don't know.
1: (laughs) All
0: right. Clever. Well, any, any, any parting thoughts here before we call it a week?
1: You know, Joel, it's been one hell of a week, I will say. And I always have fun and I always enjoy our time together. But for now, I have no further thoughts.
0: All right, we'll have a great week. I can't I look forward to hearing your report about botox next week and seeing what else the Supreme Court and what other else, else happens to come up in the world of law, but hey, if it comes up, we will debrief it next week. So have a good week and we'll talk to
1: you then. Bye Joel, have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess Sean Wynn and Fifteen Five Features for making me sound way better than I actually do, Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us, and Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.